Um, so if I haven't met you before, my name's Tim. And um, we, yeah, we're finishing off the series that we've been doing over the last five weeks or so, um, discovering our identity and calling. Actually, we, I'm a bit all over the shop today. We, our back projector isn't working, so I'm not used to looking up there. So we're trying to get something happening on the iPad here, but it might be no good. I think I might just have to look behind. So yeah, sorry, I'm gonna have to turn behind a little bit and sort of, it puts me off a little bit. Oh, there we go, we're good now. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. So um, yeah, so if you're just joining us, we've been doing this series and it's been a bit different. It's kind of been a bit of a different type of teaching, um, a bit of a different approach um, to even sermons and so forth. And sort of the thinking behind that is, I suppose this year and the plan for this year is that we're learning what does it mean to follow Jesus? What's the way of Jesus? How, how do we actually let him transform our life so that we're not, we're not just staying where we are when we start? Where we start, we come to him, we're forgiven, we're saved, but we don't want to stay there. We want to grow and become like him. We want to follow him, live his way of life. So this year, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's called The Way. We're actually going to go back to it next week. And that's really our like Bible teaching. We're going through pretty much paragraph by paragraph through the Sermon on the Mount, trying to go into some details. Thanks, Haley. That's great. But um, breaking that up, what we're doing is some series a bit like this, which the, the goal is still, it's still based on Scripture, but the goal is not so much to teach Scripture, but to think, how do we actually live this out? How do we actually equip and practically do this so that it's not just information in our heads, but it's actually getting into our lives, it's actually changing and transforming us. And that's what we're actually going to sort of talk about today. But that's kind of why it's been a bit different. It's, it's the focus is more practical, more how do we actually do this? How do we actually make it affect our lives, not just our thinking, not just our minds? Um, so... We've gone through, we've sort of started talking about how this is a journey, actually to discover who we truly are in Christ, to live out of our true identity and our calling is a journey that we have to go on. Um, Dave spoke about how we, our true identity is that we're children of God, that our, that our goal is and our life is to actually reflect our Father, to be um, the image of God. To, when people look at us, they see who He is. That's His desire, like Jesus reflects the Father. We talked about calling and, and that God actually calls us on that journey to become like Jesus and he calls us to go out and to serve him in the world. And that's not just in, in like what we'd think of as a traditional ministry, but in business, in schools, in hospitals, that we're actually, that's a calling that God calls to serve him and to reflect him. And then what we kind of want to do today to kind of finish is, is think, well, that's all good. Like, it's good to know, okay, I'm a child of God. Okay, this is what God wants me to do. This is the calling. But it's another thing to actually let it impact our lives. It's another thing to actually live as a child of God. It's another thing to actually live daily trusting God as our Father. It's another thing to actually step into our calling and fulfill it. And we don't want to just know the information and be like, yep, okay, that's good, that's my identity and calling. We actually need it to get into our hearts, we need to get into our body, we need to actually be changed and transformed. This is what Paul says in Ephesians, right? The, the whole first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul's just telling them over and over again who they are in Christ. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. He tells them about the Spirit. He tells them how they've been saved from they were dead and now that they're alive. He tells them that they're now one in God. There's all this amazing stuff Paul says in the first three chapters. And then we get to chapter four, like Mark, um, like Mark just read, and he starts getting really practical. He says, live according to this calling. Live worthy of the calling. Live this out in your life. 
And then he gets to these verses we're going to focus on today, which is no longer live in the old way. No longer live how you used to live, but put on the new way. This is how he says it in Ephesians. Cool, this is working. I can read here. He says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So he's describing the people in the culture around them. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." So you see what Paul's saying, he's actually using the language like of clothing, that, that the thing to do now, because of who we are in Christ, because of the reality of our true self as children of God, the thing to do is to put off the clothes of the old way, put off the clothes of the way of living that's without God, that's making life work without Him, that's the false self, and put on the new self, put on the new clothes, put on Jesus. And he actually says that we are created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. That this is actually the thing that we're to do. We're to put off, we're to put on. And this is actually talking about being transformed, being changed, to actually become like Jesus, to actually reflect God, that this is God's desire for us. Not just that we're forgiven, that's true, but that we're transformed, that we're changed to be like Him. But the big question is, how? How does that happen? Like, how do we actually change and grow? Because sometimes we can be Christians and followers of Jesus for a long time and not necessarily be changing. Sometimes we can know lots of information, know lots of right facts and know lots of truth, but it not actually really affect our lives. We need to actually think, how are we actually formed and changed so that we can go in on this journey and embrace this journey of transformation? So that's what we want to kind of talk about Today, and what we're really talking about is spiritual formation. How are we formed? How are we changed? How do we grow? This is how John Mark Comer describes it. Spiritual formation is the process by which we are transformed to become more like Jesus, and in doing so, more like our real true selves. And I think sometimes we have some misunderstandings about how this actually happens, about how we grow about how we're formed, about how we change. Probably the biggest misunderstanding we have, and it's reflective of our culture, is that we are more and more a culture that has so much technology, like today, right? <laughs> but this iPad, we can just like set up. Pete just set that up today to make that work, which is awesome. Like we have, we have so many things that right at our fingertips that we can find the app, we can find the computer software, we can get our phone, we can, call, we can do everything so quick. We're like used to vending machines. We're used to instant gratification. And often we approach transformation and change in our lives the same way. That we think we just have to figure out what's the wrong thing that I'm thinking, what's the right truth, and if I just get that one thing, I'll be good, I'll be changed. Or we think I just have to meet God in a really deep way, and if that happens, it'll be good, I'll be changed. 
And so our journey then ends up being the journey to find the one thing that will change us in an instant. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen because God can change people in an instant, and he does, especially when people come to him for the first time. But, but that's the start of this journey of transformation that keeps going. But often we just keep looking for the one thing that will change. And the interesting thing is, right, when you go to a vending machine, you have a certain expectation. You have an expectation that you'll put the coins in, and in an instant, you'll get the drink. And if you've ever seen someone at a vending machine that's not working, <laughs> when their expectations are not fulfilled, they get very angry very quickly. And if we approach change and transformation in becoming like Jesus in the same way, we expect it to be instant. We expect we just find the thing, we just do the things, we just go through the formulas, then we're good. We will get very frustrated very quickly because that is not the way we grow and change. Actually, we grow and change and are being formed all the time. Actually, without even trying to follow Jesus, we are still being spiritually formed. Everybody is being spiritually formed. Human beings are not static creatures that just stay the same. We're actually influenced by things around us all the time just by waking up. And what, we want to, what I want to do today is I want to show you um, how that can happen without even following Jesus. Before we follow Jesus, like Paul talked about, the people in Ephesus who are, being, who are living a certain way of life, that's growing them to be a certain type of person, which is not the way of Jesus. And this happens automatically without doing anything. We can be formed in a certain way. And then we want to say, well, how do we put that off? And how do we put on the new? How do we intentionally set up our lives so we are formed to be like Jesus? So that's kind of the plan for today. This is what it looks like. And I'm going to talk you through this idea of how do we grow unintentionally? So how do we grow without even trying? It just happens to us. And then we're going to look at, well, how do we stop that so that we can grow intentionally and be formed intentionally? So we're going to go through, I'm going to sort of look, jump around a fair bit, um, but we're going to start up here. So this is unintentional spiritual formation. So this is not just Christians. This is everybody. This is all of us that we are formed by the stories we believe. This is another way of really saying worldview, that we live in a world, we live in a culture that tells a certain story about the world. And the story that we believe about the world actually shapes us and actually forms us. It shapes how we see things. We all have a sort of lenses through which we view the world. Our culture's story of the world really is that most of life is an accident. It kind of just happened. We're kind of just animals that have grown and evolved. And there's, we're not really sure if there's a God, if there's any truth. It's kind of just up to you. No one can know for sure. So you just kind of do whatever's right for you and whatever's true to you. So really the goal of life is really just to have a good time, to get as much stuff, to make the most of it, to really live it well, retire well, settle down, then that's, that's really all there is. And that's kind of the story of life that our culture has, the sort of the worldview that's presented often. And that sort of belief is kind of what Paul talks about here when he's talking in Ephesians. He says, this you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. That's, that's a thinking, that's a story, that's a worldview that actually impacts a lot of the way you see people live in our society. But we can kind of sometimes think, well, I don't, I don't believe that. I know the truth. I know the true story of the world is the story of Scripture, that we are created in the image of God, that God, this, this, this one God who's three in one in community of love, 
created us and invites us to be a part of that. And even though we've fallen and are sinful, He came to save us and rescue us. And that life is actually about knowing Him and reflecting Him. And it's about love. And it's going to last for eternity. And it's a very, very different story. But sometimes we can think, well, that, that, the, the worldview of our culture doesn't impact us, but it can. It unintentionally can get into our heads and we can start to think according to the stories of our culture. So the first thing is that we're actually incredibly formed by the stories we believe and our thinking. But on top of that is our habits. And this is the idea that we are not just thinking beings. Sometimes the, the way that we approach life, it kind of comes out of the enlightenment and, and the scientific worldview and this idea that, that if you just put in information into our brain, it changes us. But it's actually not true. We need information. We need to think, be thinking about what we're thinking. But actually what we do with our bodies, in our hearts, actually impacts us. You probably know this um, in your own life, the power of habits to shape your desires and your wants. Um, there's not very many people that when their kids love coffee. Most people, when their kids or they first taste coffee, don't like it. But you drink it because everyone else drinks it and you keep drinking it, and eventually you start to really love it, and then you start to be addicted to it, and then you, you, it's something that you incredibly desire. And this wasn't a thinking process, it was a habit. You might even know this as well, um, maybe if you think of a time, maybe you've gone on a diet, or you said, I'm not gonna eat any sugar, I'm not gonna eat any chocolate, I'm not gonna have dessert for a while, and then after a while, it's really hard to form that habit, but after a while, you sort of get to a place where you're like, oh, actually, I don't really need dessert. Actually, I don't really need chocolate. I don't really feel like it anymore. I've got it out of the habit. But then one night you think, oh, I'll just have a little bit of chocolate. And then the next day, you're like, oh, I kind of feel like chocolate. And then I'll have another one. And then you'll have another one. And then it, what we actually do shapes our hearts, shapes our wants, shapes our desires. Jesus even says this in relation to money. In Matthew 6, he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus is actually saying the way that we practically use money, the things that we invest in, he's particularly talking about with our finances, but including our time, shape our hearts, shape where our treasure is. That it's not just the way we think, but actually what we do can change and shape our hearts and what we love and what we value. So our habits actually can form us incredibly, particularly our bad habits can form us in a certain way. So it's not just stories we believe, but our habits. On top of that, our relationships actually impact us incredibly and shape us to be a certain type of person. Um, this is all our relationships, the family that we're a part of, the, 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 the friends that we choose, um, our neighbors, like all, all sorts of people, our relationships actually impact us and form us and grow us in a certain way. You see this in Proverbs is reflected here. Proverbs, um, sorry, I got the reference a bit mixed up there, but it's in Proverbs, I promise. <laughs> it says this, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. This is a wisdom from Proverbs that actually the people that we are around, the relationships that we have, we're not independent of them. Sometimes we sort of think like that, like I'm just me and I just do my own thing. I'm not impacted by anyone around me. But it's not true. 
as humans, the relationships that we have will impact us, will change us. We even like find this, find this being married that like just the way we talk, like when you're with your spouse, you end up starting to talk the same way. Or we even had some housemates, some of these guys move in with us recently. Like we start using different words and different language. We sort of pick up on different things as we sort of hang out together. And so your relationships are really important and do form you. So we've got stories we believe, habits and relationships. This is all in the context of our environment. That our environment where we live actually does shape us. And again, we live in Australia, and Australia is, is not really a Christian nation. It's, it's post-Christian. It's, it's moved past that. Again, sort of the worldview that I said before is kind of the worldview of our culture. Our workplace, the environment that we live in does shape us and does form us unintentionally. If we're not doing anything intentionally to change that, we will be impacted by that. On top of that as well, we kind of live here in Australia or in Kalanga, we also live like on the internet, like in cyberspace. Like more and more people have their phones all the time. We are on our phones all the time. We have the internet. And you kind of are often in two places at once. Like we're here, but we could be talking to someone in Germany. We could be talking to someone on the other side of the world. Like there's this whole other world that we're actually a part of. And again, that impacts us. That's an environment that shapes and forms and grows us in a certain way. So these things above the line are things that we have control over. The things we don't have control over is the fact that it's not instant, but over time, through experiences, we're actually being formed in a certain way. And again, this is unintentional. This is just wake up in the morning, just go about your day, and just breathe and live, and we're actually becoming somebody. We're actually growing in a certain way, unintentionally. So what we need to do is to, to, in order to put off, like Paul says, the old and put on the new, is think, well, how are we being formed? What are our habits shaping us? To, what are the stories we're believing? What are our relationships? How, what sort of person are they forming us to be? And without any effort, they're not going to be forming us to be like Jesus. What we need to do is put off the things that are not the way of Jesus, and we need to adopt intentional spiritual formation. We need to actually structure our lives and our lifestyle that is the way of Jesus. That, so that the formation that's happening is actually growing us to be like him. Or like Paul says like this, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Our intentional spiritual formation has to be stronger than the pull of everything around us that's pulling us away from being like Jesus. So I want to show you this. This is basically taking the same ideas, but thinking, well, what would it look like to replace them intentionally with the way of Jesus, so that we're growing into this new life, into our true self, into who he's made us to be. So what we do here is we replace the stories of our culture, or the stories we believe of the worldview of the world, with teaching. And this is the teaching of Scripture, that we actually need to hear the Word of God. We need to be reminded. We need to understand it. But not just as, as a list of facts that, that, we, that we know that we can sort of quote, but that it actually shapes our thinking and actually shapes our worldview, actually shapes our vision. So that's actually, instead of the, the sort of the lens of our culture and the story of our culture being the way we view the world, to actually view the world through the scriptures and through the story of the scriptures. This is what Paul says in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect 
will. So this is, this is not just teaching here on Sundays. This is teaching in Bible studies. Could be listening to sermons or podcasts, personal Bible reading, personal Bible study. But this is actually letting the, the Word of God shape our thinking and actually shape our vision of life. An example of this is um, earlier in the year, not long ago, we, we spoke on um, the Beatitudes. And that these are actually Jesus' values of the kingdom. And again, these are incredibly different values to the values of our society. And we need to constantly come back and say, actually, what Jesus says is blessed is to be poor in spirit, is to mourn, is to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers. And even when we're persecuted for righteousness, Jesus' vision of life says that is blessed, which again is very, very different from the stories that we might believe from our culture of what people say are blessed. So we need teaching to shape our thinking and to guide us. But the thing is, we need more than just teaching. Because again, if, if all we have is teaching, it's saying that we're just thinking beings, that if we just get the information in, we'll change. But the truth is, actually what we do, not just what we think, shapes us and forms us. Which is why we need to replace our habits with what we're calling practices, or practicing the way of Jesus. Or another way to actually say, doing what Jesus says to do. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 5 again. He says, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes we approach this, and, and this is particularly true of the younger people, when we start talking about obeying the commands of Jesus, we start to think, hang on, hang on, that's the law. We don't need to follow the law anymore. And that's true in a sense. It's true that we are saved by grace. We don't obey in order to get God's approval. We have God's approval. We don't obey in order to earn anything from God. We don't need to earn anything from God. But because we are forgiven, but because we have His Spirit, His commands are good. And His commands are the way of life that is the most life-giving way to be human. So we then, with His Spirit, by His grace, don't just say, okay, we don't have to keep the law, we don't have to follow Jesus. No, we say, because He loves me, because He saved me, I want to live His way and actually put this into practice. And this frees us so that it's not like pass, fail, I fail, I'm so bad, I'm condemned. It's not like I just have to go out and try really hard to do what Jesus says. It actually means we can adopt an attitude of practice, that we actually want to grow in the way of Jesus, and we can actually do that with free from condemnation, free from guilt. So when we fail, when we stuff up, it's okay, but the thing to do is to keep practicing, to keep growing. Because often we approach like the commands of God, we approach them as we just have to try really hard. Like we hear a sermon on don't be anxious and we say, tomorrow I'm just not going to be anxious. Or we hear a sermon on loving a neighbor, I'm just going to love my neighbor. But actually it just doesn't work. Just trying hard to obey God does not work. But if we adopt instead a posture of training hard, of practicing and growing to become the type of person that actually lives the way of Jesus, that is actually possible. It's like this if you think about running, and it is pretty much impossible without training to just go and run a marathon, no matter how hard you try. And I know from experience, when I, I, I have trained for a marathon two times and I got injured in the training, and it's because the way that for a long time I've approached running is that it's just a battle and I just have to push myself. 
And I kind of like that about it. I like that it's a mental challenge. I like that you have to overcome pain and try hard. But when I do that, I injure myself. And it's happened. And, and it's because instead of training, instead of building up slowly, instead of just adopting that sort of attitude of I need to train to be the type of person who can run a marathon, I sort of often adopt the posture of I'm just going to try really hard, I'm just going to push myself and do it, and then I fail. But with training, why by building up little bit by little bit over time with help, with support, not pushing it too hard, most people after a while would be able to run a marathon. And it, it's not something you can just do because you try hard, but if you train, you can, it's possible. And it's true for so many things in life, learning an instrument, learning anything, learning the job, learning the career that, you've, that you have. It only happens by practice, by growing little bit by little bit. This is what John Ockberg says about spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder, but of training wisely. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he encourages his young protege Timothy to train yourself in godliness. And this is so helpful, I think, because it just takes the pressure off. It's not, I have to get it right today, otherwise I'm bad. It's no, we're forgiven, we are loved. Now we get to walk this way of Jesus. These practices as well involve things like the spiritual disciplines, things like prayer, things like Bible reading, coming to church. These are actually things that set up our life to be able to grow and be the type of person who loves God and loves others. And these things, again, they're not like you're a good Christian if you read your Bible. It's, the goal is not to read your Bible. The goal is to know God and to live according to God's way and to love. And if we can do that without reading the Bible, then that's fine. The, the goal is not to know the Bible. The goal is to grow. But probably no one can do that without being part of, partaking in the disciplines, without growing in these things. You see, the, the goal is not... I said this earlier in the year. Like when you go to the gym, the goal is not to lift weights because the weights need lifting. Right? The, the goal is to get strong, but you lift weights to get strong. It's the same. The goal is not to pray for the sake of praying. The goal is to know God and grow in relationship with God. And you do that through prayer. The goal is to know God and to love Him and to live His ways. You do that through knowing Scripture. You see, it, they're not ends in themselves. So this is practice. So it's not just teaching, but actually what we do. Thinking about, even thinking about our habits that we have that are forming us in a certain way and replacing them with habits that are forming us in the way of Jesus. And it's actually, it's not just thinking, but it's actually the way we live that we need to grow in. As well then, we replace relationships with community. Relationships are like things that we can self-select, right? So you, people that you like, you can have a relationship with. People that you don't like, you can just avoid and not have a relationship with. But community is different particularly church community. Church community is a whole bunch of people that know Jesus and agree on Jesus, but are probably different in almost every other way. Like the New Testament church is made up of a heap of people who are natural enemies that now need to get together because, and get along because of Jesus. And, and because they do, that is a demonstration to the world of how amazing God is. And it's actually diversity, it's actually difficulty, it's actually people that you wouldn't normally be around, that actually is the benefit of community. And the benefit is exposure and encouragement. That if we're in a community of people who love and follow Jesus, they encourage us, they grow us, we see them growing, we see what they're doing, and, and we spur each other on. But as well as that, there's exposure, which is this idea that actually when you're around people that are different to you, 
people that are hard to get along with, it shatters the false ideas that you have about yourself. This is how one author puts it. He says this, what church community takes away from us is our false freedom to soar unencumbered like the birds, believing that we are mature, loving, committed, and not blocking out things that we should be seeing. Real church going. So he's talking about being in community with people. So actually being, doing life with people in the church soon enough shatters this illusion and gives us no escape as we find ourselves constantly humbled as our immaturities and lack of sensitivity to the pain of others are reflected off eyes that are honest and unblinking. This idea that actually in community around people that are different, it exposes where we're really at, but that's actually a gift. Because to be exposed, to actually be confronted with our lack, actually leads us to a place where we can deal with it and we can grow through it. Whereas before that, if we just have self-selected relationships, we have this idea that we're a really loving, humble person that's actually false. And actually having that shattered is the first step to actually grow and deal and mature. So the exposure of community is actually incredibly encouraging. And this is the sad thing, especially for young people these days, because we're so afraid of commitment and don't want to commit and then have this false idea that, that we're an amazing, loving person. We don't want to face the fact that actually we need to grow and we actually have problems. But actually the committed community would expose that and actually create a place to grow in that. But it's so countercultural. It's so different to the messages that our society is giving at the moment. So we have teaching. This is intentional spiritual formation, practice and community. And this is all, everything is done in the context of the Holy Spirit. That we can do nothing without Him that we cannot grow to be like Jesus without the Spirit. That these things on the sort of the points of the triangle are things that set us up to be in a place of dependence and rest and reliance on Jesus, on the Spirit. That that's, that's the way to grow is by His power, by His grace, by His mercy. But sometimes we take that too far and say that we don't have to do anything. They say that we do nothing, God does everything. And that's not true. That we do have a part to play. That Jesus does the big stuff. The Holy Spirit is the one that, he's the one that initiates it. He's the one that calls us. He's the one that changes us. He's the one that does it all, really. But we still need to position ourselves through the disciplines, through the practices. We still need to have teaching. We still need to be in community. We still have a part to play. That it's not that we just sit still and God just zaps us and changes us. That that's not an actual correct understanding. That we need to partner with God but it's His power, it's His grace that changes us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is intentional spiritual formation. The thing that I love about this is that it's actually something, there's actually things that we can do to position ourselves on a trajectory of growth with God. We don't have to just wait for the instant change, but it does take time. It is a journey, and sometimes it feels really, really slow. And sometimes it's through the hard knocks of life. It's through difficulties. But the, the crazy thing about the way of Jesus is that actually the difficulties of life can be periods of intensified growth. That actually crisis and problems actually can grow us even deeper in God and deeper in the way of Jesus. And sometimes it doesn't look like any of that's happening. It's happening so far under the surface that we can't even tell that that's going on. And then after a while, it, it just shoots up and we see what's been going on the whole time. So this is, this, is, this is a journey, this is a process of spiritual formation, of putting off this old way 
thinking, how am I being formed? What type of person, if I was to look at my life right now, what type of person am I actually becoming in the future? If I keep going this way that I'm going now, what am I going to look like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? How do I change that and intentionally grow the way of Jesus, this new way that I'm actually trying to be like him by his power and grace? This is what Mark says about this, says about this journey. He says, an instant solution requires no faith because the problem is resolved in a moment. In contrast, a path requires faith and courage. Thus, we understand why one of Jesus' most consistent encouragements to those who followed him was to have courage. And that, that's it. We need faith and courage to walk this path of growth, to wait upon God, to trust him to change and grow us through this journey. And again, like we've been saying this, this, this series, that this only happens by actually doing something, by actually taking this on board, by growing intentionally. So if you're interested, there's some more details around those things and some practices to do at those sites. It talks about doing an audit of your current habits and what they're shaping you to be and thinking how can you replace those with spiritual practices or disciplines in order to grow the way of Jesus as well. So we're going to finish up there. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take communion as a, as a response. Um, actually, don't have any communion helpers. Maybe a few people could jump up to, to distribute communion would be really helpful, and I'll pray, and then we'll do that. Father, thank you so much for your grace, God, that, that you have come, Jesus, to save Thank you that you're right here with us. Thank you that because of the cross that, that you live inside of us, that we are your body, that you're present with us today. And Jesus, thank you that, that you've not only saved us and forgiven us and given us grace, but you've given us what we need to grow on this journey to be like you, to be transformed, to be made new, to be like you, God, to reflect you the way that you originally intended just thank you, God, that that's your vision for life. God, that we could know you and be like you and serve you and reflect you. And Father, we just pray, God, that, that this, this truth about who we truly are in you and the calling that you have, Lord, would it go deep into our hearts? Would it go into our bodies? Would it change and shape the way that we live as we follow you, Jesus? And we just thank you, Jesus, that you did this, that you, you lived true to your identity and calling. Jesus, you were faithful till death. Right before the cross, you said, not my will, but yours be done, Father. And because of your death, because of your resurrection, we can know you and be with you. So Jesus, we just ask that you would meet us now. Lord, as we, as we remember your body broken, your blood shed, would you meet us? Would you grow us? Would you give us courage to walk this journey of faith and trust in you? We just pray this in your name.